What's up, Redhead Racing Radio? Back after Talladega, the best race of the year, I'd say, Andrew Crowland. Yeah, it was, Jason Schultz. Oh, man. See, this is where I wish, like, we had a studio audience or someone. Because I'm like, yo, Taco Tuesday, that's something. Jason, I, so, basically, I'm like, all right, Jason, let's get this podcast started. It's Taco Tuesday. He's like, who cares? Come on. I care about Taco Tuesday. You don't? I have a very strict diet that consists of chicken and vegetables, so I don't really have any special food. You can make a chicken and vegetables taco. There you go. It's just like more fun when it's in the shell that breaks apart upon first bite. But you know how many calories the shell has? I don't know. But does it really have all that much? Are you, I'd rather not. You don't need a calorie count, Jason. Hey, I want a beach bod. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, well, you, you can have don't have that problem. Still have a talk over now. I mean, like Weight Watchers, like they still eat chips, right? <laughs> like, isn't that their whole thing? Are you trying to say you go to Weight Watchers? No, but like in all those Weight Watcher commercials, they're like, I eat chips. Oh my God, I love chips. Like, isn't that a scam, thing? though? I don't know. All right, I think we should move on to Talladega. <laughs> <laughs> Our producer, Tyler, is laughing right now because if you ever, I don't know, I haven't posted any of this stuff, but I didn't look like a. I wasn't pencil shaped as a kid, if you can get the reference there. I was mm. a little like, you know, baseball shaped. And so Tyler is dying laughing right now at the at these references, but you got any response to that? But you're pencil shaped now, so I mean you, you got it in order. Wanna reward get reward yourself in order. with the taco, that's all I'm saying. Never. I rewarded myself <laughs> with some salmon last week. It was great. Salmon's good. All right. Salmon's good. Talladega. Best I why? All right, I want to explain some things. We have lots. Oh, we have so much to talk about. Only twenty minutes. Let's see if we can get through it. <laughs> um, Talladega was the best race of the year because I felt for the first time in a long time, maybe Daytona regular season finale had this. Bristol in the spring had this. My thing about good races and good sporting events are action and excitement happens throughout. Like things build out, build up throughout the race to make it seem like a full story. Like you start and you, you have to start your end and you have stuff in the middle that adds to the drama of the day. And we had tons of excitement and crazy racing in both the first two stages. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I agree. Which led to crazy stage ends, which led to accidents early in the race, which affected playoff contenders, which made for stories throughout the race as guys who need points we're not getting points or repairing the cars to try to get points. Like all that was really good stories. Agree or disagree? Why are we playing this game? Of course. Because if you think like, for example, Darlington, Richmond or Bristol or Vegas had all this, they didn't. They didn't have any story elements. I don't know. I'm big on like, this is my classic example of a race playing out as a story. The 2005 all-star race had, you know, the open race, had Mike Bullis get spun out by Brian Vickers coming to the line to win the open, and at that time, only the winner of the open advanced to the all-star race. It was very dramatic. Then once you got into the all-star race, I think there was, like, six or seven different leaders. Like, Mark Martin eventually won, but, like, Elliot Taylor was up there. I think Jimmy Johnson was up there. They had a massive wreck in one of the stages. They had pit strategy. They had guys coming and going. Like, all together just adds up to a full race, and you felt like you. it's like movie. You go to see a movie – you want to feel entertained and compelled by the whole story of the movie. And that's what I want race to be. You see, you understand that? Yeah. And Talladega had that. It had the drama, it had the action throughout. I don't, we hate, I think you agree, we hate the single file racing against the wall. We saw very little of that, which was a great sight. 
and it mainly was double wide racing throughout the race a lot of drafting a lot of pushing a lot of blocking which was very exciting to watch a lot of different leaders a lot of different guys up front a lot of guys, different guys involved in accidents so i just think throughout like all that together just made for a great race yeah with especially when they were freight training at the end didn't it happen with like 30 some laps ago i'm like all right this is gonna be it and then we're gonna go here to the finish and that wasn't even the case like yeah we had a caution yeah we had Which, cautions and people were able to work the low lane and it was like you could you could pull some of those things off and, and one thing i found that we haven't seen in the past couple of plate races as you mentioned was the big one throughout like daytona was a great race don't get me wrong but really the first signs of like big wrecks came in stage three right there was nothing the first half of the race yeah. We got that at Talladega. I still think the Daytona cutoff with everything and all the stakes that were there to play, I, I thought that was a better race, but don't get me wrong, Talladega was a phenomenal race. I think Daytona allows for some more, I don't know, the racing typically seems to be a little better at Daytona. Talladega's a little wider, so I don't yeah. know if that affects it, but that's why I think overall. Um, the cautions were good. There was a lot of cautions, a record amount of cautions, and that's what I'm thinking. Was like, it really? We've... We had a lack oh, of cautions in the last bunch of races. Like, cautions early on in the race that yeah. like Which one I was all car about. I was like, like debris. Great. Yeah. The cautions make for an exciting race. It bunches things up. It changes things. And that's why I enjoy cautions. And I think they're important for racing. And they add to the story. Okay. I have one last point. Then I'm going to read NASCAR's quotes. Okay. I think we have the best super speedway package NASCAR's had in the last... 10 years agree or disagree yeah i think that's fair guys can make moves it's not it's very hard to get single file you have the ability to change that if that does happen it's a lot of runs a lot of blocks a lot of excitement a lot of different leaders like it's everything you would want a super speedway race we've got right now so i'm praying to god nascar doesn't change that yeah getting rid of the restrictor plate raising the spoiler was was a good move on their part i mean the we did not have that the 500, right? Was that a exception to this, or was that last year? I think that was last year. Wow. Oh, yeah. You know what? It was. So we've, yeah. Now that you mention it, the the super speedway races the last two years besides Daytona have all been really good. Lots of yeah, great, phenomenal racing. Um, so we think the race swimming was really good. Do you think NASCAR thought the racing was really good? I know you're going with this, so just go ahead and, and go into it. Why, I why was, am I like your little test subject? Like, yes, <laughs> I agree. Like, I'm not a classmate here. I'm not a student. I'm the, I'm the teacher. You're the student. No. I'm the professor. No. Just just I'm go trying, into your thing. Why do you got to, like, check in? Like, checkpoints. <laughs> like, what does he think in the front? Like, I'm the one kid that, like, oh, I hope he doesn't call me. And he's like, uh, Andrew? I'm Professor NASCAR. <laughs> I have the best, I'm the most educated, and I have the best ideas. All right, sure. If, if you believe that, then whatever makes you happy. Okay. Our point here right, is NASCAR. What do you got? NASCAR's Scott Miller had some comments about the quality of the race on Monday. A couple quotes from him. Scott Miller is the senior vice president of competition, and he said on the morning drive on SiriusXM Radio, that the sanctioned body may need to address driver aggression. 
I feel like we're tearing up too much equipment. It's super easy for them to be aggressive out there in those tight quarters. It's hurt the show a little bit, so we have to get back to a little bit more calculated moves than just watching the mirror and hanging left. We have to get back there somehow. I don't think what we saw on Sunday hurt the show at all. I thought it added to the show. Yeah, no, that was really surprising from the st- like I did not think Sunday was overly aggressive by any means, right? Same as always. Yeah. So that that Mail was more wrecks. I wonder I, I I do wonder the context of that and 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 if it had to do with the double yellow line because if so, then I could see where that context is is going into play because obviously with the double yellow line NASCAR is afraid of getting rid of it because of the amount of wrecks and and trouble that could be caused by removing it. And I I spoke with Davey Siegel about this earlier today. It's like I would not want to be in NASCAR's position when it comes to the double yellow line because obviously without that rule, we would have it would have been clear as day on Sunday. But that's just the last lap. What about the other 187 laps at Talladega and, and 200 at Daytona? Without having a double yellow line, it's going to cause more wrecks, and you have to keep both the drivers and fans happy. So I'm, I'm kind of going into the WL line conversation here. But it, it, I wonder what the context of that quote is. It was in response to the crashes in the race. But isn't it funny how NASCAR decided to strictly enforce the yellow line rule in this race while they have been not as aggressive in enforcing it in previous plate races, super speed races? I think when it comes down to something that's ultra reviewable, like the final lap, that it does – get enforced a little bit more than if it's just on the fly during the race. But they did it on the fly significantly more than we've seen. They penalized Logano twice. I don't think they penalized guys like that mid-race very often in the last five years. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I, the call, I don't know. Because how – I, I get where NASCAR says Hamlin was avoiding a wreck, and, and that's why he was allowed to go below There wasn't the a wreck. Yeah, and he stayed there for a long time. And I don't know if he, he actually didn't ended try up. to come back up. Yeah, exactly. So that to me, why Hamlin didn't get penalized and Benedetto did was just a little surprising from a logic standpoint. Um, yeah, I don't know. But, it, it, but the, here's the thing NASCAR tries so much to have everything be black and white. And sometimes in sports, there is a judgment call made by the officials. And I think this was one of those judgment judgment calls i mean literally everything about nascar they want it to be like this is why the call happened this is why but sometimes it's like you know balls versus strikes in a baseball game it's it's kind of hard to decide people have different perspectives on them i think they're more like they're more judgment calls in black and white i think they want to be more black and white and the drivers want to be more black and white but they're it's kind of up to them when they decide like for example the xfinity series if you lock on bumpers for too long you get penalized how long is too long? Well, it's up to NASCAR. They decide. I'd rather just have them like a set amount of seconds or something like that. But that's besides the point. Um, but it was also interesting that NASCAR enforced half the double yellow line rule. It's like if you force someone down there, you get penalized. We saw that. Correct? I'm not going to answer at this point. I think he says correct. But the thing is, if you go down below the yellow line, you also get penalized. That it's was not a, enforced. Yeah, it's like a... 
If you force someone down, you will get penalized. If you go below the line, you may get penalized, depending on the circumstances. And it's up to NASCAR's judgment. It's, it, is, it is very gray in that situation. However, I don't think they penalize one guy once for going below and improving their position, even though it happened during the race. When? Um, well, when Chase, like when they penalized Logano for forcing Chase below the line, Chase was barely below the line, first of all, and he improved his position passing Logano, but just because he was forced down there means he was able to just regain his position like normal. Let me... That makes sense. Find, here's... Here's a Steve O'Donnell tweet that was surfacing on Sunday in response to some, I think from the clash in 2018, some of the <laughs> line rules. He says, you can't be more clear. clear. Yep. <laughs> we, we say that afterwards. O'Donnell said, can't be more clear than what it is played at every super speedway driver meeting and was talked about this morning as well. You can't advance your position. Only judgment is if position was immediately given back. It was not. So you can't advance your position. That's the rule. Don't advance your position and go below the line. Multiple drivers did that on Sunday. If that's if that's part of the rule too, enforce that. Just because they were forced down, okay. They weren't allowed. They shouldn't be down there at all. They're not allowed to be down there. So penalize them for that. Yeah, I I don't necessarily. You you said multiple times. I mean, Hamlin's very clear as day. I don't really remember many other instances where someone advanced their position below the WL line, besides Logano and Chase. Are there other examples, or are you just saying multiple as in that one instance? I believe there were multiple others. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but we saw all day people getting forced down there and people getting penalized for forcing people down there. It was just, it was more common than usual. And you know what Dale said in response to Steve O'Donnell's tweet in 2018? <laughs> yeah, clears mud. You go, yep, so the rule is clear as mud, <laughs> and it's too. still like that. And you wish right now we'd be talking about how great the race was and how great the finish was, but we're talking about a stupid rule that they should fix. Like, make a decision. Don't go down below there or say you can go down below there. That's the black and white rule. Make a decision. Yeah, but then, okay, but then someone forces someone down. All right, well, you don't get penalized for forcing someone down. It's, it is, it, then we get into the exact same situation that we are right now. All right, here's the thing. If you force someone down below, you're penalized. If you go down below, even if you're forced, you're penalized. Oh, I don't think that's don't, fair. Don't go, don't go below there at all. It's out of bounds. Don't go there. So what about a wreck? Okay, if they're wrecking, you can go down there to avoid it. But if they're not what's wrecking, defined as a wreck? See, now we're back into the exact same thing. This is what NASCAR. Okay, with. you know what's defined as a wreck? If a car's spinning out, that's a wreck. If a car is half sideways, they could save it. There's not guarantee that's a wreck. If it triggers a wreck, yeah, then that's fine. But if it doesn't trigger a wreck, then that's not. I then think you're see, even at that, your definition of what a wreck is a, something that brings it, out a caution it, makes it judgment. It does, and this is this if, is this is why NASCAR spins into these circles, and we keep going round and round the same game. It's because it's just so hard to judge. I think it's honestly one of those things. It's one of those rules where I think it's best for it to be there in terms of keeping drivers safe, and it only causes problems every now and then, like we saw today. At t- or like we saw this past weekend at Talladega, like we've seen at Daytona a few times with Justin Haley. It's just one of those things. It's a bummer when it comes up, but it's like we keep spinning around in circles. What exactly can you do to fix it? 
Let's move on. If I think we should go to points. No, I'm going to tell one more thing. If it's a wreck, there's a caution comes out. That's defined as a wreck. If they don't, there's no caution. There's no wreck. That is black and white. So, if a caution comes out in result of a car out of control, that's a wreck. You can go down. You can avoid it. If there was no car out of control and no caution comes out, that is not a wreck. You are penalized. I don't know. I still think there's gray area within that. I do. I think they should solve it so we're not talking about this after every play race. All right. Let's get to points. You want to know something else that's messed up? This is the Hate on NASCAR show presented by Jason Schultz today. I don't think that's any different than normal. Yeah. We just want it to improve. We want the sport to succeed, and we think getting rid of playoff points transferring from the regular season will do that, correct? No, I'm not playing this game. You don't you you want regular season points? Listen, playoff points to listen, transfer to each round. This is our experiment here. We're trying to we're trying to show this, yes, but I think we can go constructively. So let's get into the playoff points that we calculated after Talladega. Wait, here I'll actually read off the normal points after the race here, and I'll read off the good points. Okay. So playoff leaderboard: Hamlin, Kurt Busch locked into the next round. Harvick plus sixty eight. Kislowski. Plus 41, Truex plus 32, Chase Elliott plus 27, Bowman plus 22, Logano plus 21, Kyle Busch minus 21, Dylan minus 21, Boyer minus 37, Almarola minus 48. Those are the real point standings. All right, folks, hold on to your seats when I read the playoff point standings, playoff standings with only playoff points accumulated in the round of 16. You ready, Andrew? Yes, sir. You're holding on tight? I've seen them already, so. All right, Hamlin and Kurt Busch, like Andrew said, have advanced. Then third place would be Chase Elliott, plus 27 over the cutoff line. Fourth place, Truex Jr., plus 22 over the cutoff line. Fifth place, Alex Bowman, plus 16 over the cutoff line. Sixth place, Brad Keselowski, plus 15 over the cutoff line. You know who I haven't said, whose name I haven't said yet? Who? Who's got the most playoff points advantage right now? Is it Harvick? Yep. He would be seventh in the playoff standings, plus 14 over the cutoff line. He is currently 68 above the cutoff line. What a crazy difference. Eighth place, Joey Logano, plus two over the cutoff line. And I believe the bottom four are the same. But it's However, it's closer. The points are much closer. Ninth place, Kyle Busch, minus two. 10th place, Austin Dillon, minus 4. That's a crazy one. 11th place, Boyer, minus 20. And 12th place, Almarola, minus 31. I was thinking more about this. I would even be okay with you get your playoff points from the regular season, you get to use that in the round of 16, and then whatever playoff points you acquire over the course of the playoffs, I even think would be okay. So, like, say the round of that- 8, you could use your round of 16 and round of 12 playoff points. I still think... I mean, I'm even okay with that. It's just using everything from the regular season, it just inflates it so much. And, and yeah, dumb. we got a better show in, in our standings. I think we agreed that that's what we were going to do. You get care out, you get to carry your oh, playoff points I thought it was that you just earn in the, the playoffs. Round. No, we can just, okay. I think it's carry them throughout the playoffs. Okay. So wherever you earn the in yeah. playoffs, you get to keep, which makes sense. You do something well in the playoffs, you get it. But if you win the, I don't know, Atlanta race in March and you get, you know, max playoff points, which is seven. You, why do you 
in October at Talladega, why do those matter anymore? They don't. You got to the playoffs. Congratulations. Now go out and prove it. Yeah, Which I we, agree. If you want to listen to our season, conversation about that. So, last like, week. they're trying to give purpose to the regular season, but the regular season still has purpose. Like, yeah. You make you, the playoffs based on the regular season. That's its purpose. Or, it, it should not, its purpose shouldn't be to I know we're creating more what ifs, but what if you were able to keep the playoff points from wins only? Those got to carry over. I mean, they put an emphasis on winning. So, yeah, but then Harvick still has a 40. I don't know how many wins he has, nine or eight or less. nine. I don't know. But, but something, I think that could even be fair. But no, you're right. People are like, what's the purpose of the regular season? They're trying to add value to the regular season. But it serves a purpose. It creates our playoff field. It, yeah. it at least will create a round one standings. And it determines who qualifies for it. I think that that is total merit for the regular season. That's no different than any other sport out there. Exactly. The purpose of the regular season in any sport is to set the playoffs yep. and decide who competes for a championship. Every sport's like that. NASCAR decided to call the playoffs the playoffs instead of the chase because they want it to be more like other sports and make it more understandable for a broader audience to understand. Okay, playoff points totally mess that up and make it more complicated so simplify it make it closer like imagine kyle bush you said i think it's minus 20 something points going into the this weekend yep he's minus two in our grid that is a couple position difference Logano is only plus two a couple position difference austin dylan he's only minus four a few positions will decide all that and then you have drama throughout the race to see who gets who gets by and I think that's way more exciting than, than the only chance of someone changing on Sunday is pretty much a win. Yep. All right. We've All right. covered that. Charlotte Roval this weekend, and it's supposed to be rainy with a hurricane. I, it's I, I hurricane. Remember, I can't remember the last time a cup race has had rain at a road course. Never in I my history think, of watching the sport has that happened. Well, you know that they never – only a few years ago they decided they would run cup cars on road courses in rain. Really? I did not know that. Yes. Only a few years ago. I went to many Watkins Glen races that were delayed to Monday because it rained. The Xfinity Series, it's been much longer that they allowed to run rain road course races. However, the Cup Series, only a few years ago, they decided that they would start doing that. Huh. I always thought it was just we never had rain on a Sunday. See, this is why I'm the professor. I'm teaching you things about NASCAR. Respect your elders and your professors. Yes, but the professor has a certain view of the sport that could be staggered the, in one direction. The best view. Okay. All right. This is going to be my first year not at the Roval. In 2018, I've been working with Charlotte Motor Speedway for a bunch of years now. 2018 was the inaugural Roval year. I got to help out all weekend with our PR and social media efforts, and that was really fun. We were there that one. I was there last year again, did some more social media stuff, which I had a blast at. But I think we should tell some stories about 2018 at the Roval. So that was that was the year we hung out at a bunch of races, like, I don't know, four or five we were Charlotte, at. Charlotte. Chicago, Chicago, Miami, Martinsville. Miami? Yeah. Yeah, and Martinsville. My God, yeah. that's Now that you bring it up, you're right. I'm right about a lot of things. Having understand that by this point in the podcast. Okay. Okay, Ego. Right. Go on. My Not my favorite story. The most memorable story from that weekend was – on Saturday morning, I went um, to drive a photographer out to turn three to take some pictures as a job of mine was. And I was like, you know what? I've never been out to this part of the track. Let me take a picture of the track from right behind the fence. But you know what? The fence, you know, you hate when the fence is in your picture, right? What a bummer. So 
I'm like, I've done this a million times before. Let me just sneak my phone through the fence, take a picture real quick, and pull it back in. Like you do, right? I've actually never done that. I just put the, I just kind of find the break in the fence. I've never stuck my phone through the fence yeah. before. You taught me that lesson. Or at least fully. And, yeah, now I do the same thing you do, but you told me <laughs> that, you know, after this happens. Long story short, I had taken a picture and then I dropped my phone in the safer barrier. You remember that? Stop asking me that. Of course, yes, I remember. You were so stressed the rest of the day. Like, didn't the full race, the, the, the full, full day race, and full, full day, day ran, and your phone was in the safer barrier? It was probably like 10 a.m. I got the phone back at like 6 or Imagine 7. Imagine the debris caution it could have been. Yeah, that would have been great. I also, <laughs> last year, got to meet Kip Childers, who's the assistant Cup Series director. And that story somehow came up on the podcast. He was on a, on DBC. And he's like, you could have just called me. and We could have gone out and got it. So I'm like, one year too late. But now I know who to call if I lose my phone on the track. So that was funny. But what else you got from quickly? Wait, we're, you, who we're, ended up getting it after? So one of the other guys I was working with the PR department, I had to do some stuff post-race. And so he race. took golf a golf cart out and just oh. went to fetch it. Huh. All day wondering, is my phone dead? Did it get run over? Did, is it damaged? It was totally fine, and I still have it today. Do you have the photo? Um, I, well, I dropped it trying to take a photo. Oh, so you, didn't, you, I, so you didn't even get a photo. Dang. Yep. What a bummer. I just think our general memories from the Rovals, too, is all the access you have. Like, we yep. would go to that infield portion in the infield over the bridge, and you could – get within five feet of the track and the cars. I was about to say, yeah. And you could get some phenomenal photos and videos if you don't put your phone through the Safely. fence. Yep. And it's like you're really so close. It was crazy how close you got. It was really cool. Uh, I was saying this earlier too. The Roval with fans, I think, is the one of the best fan experiences you can have in NASCAR, especially the, like, inner boot or whatever you want to call it. Like, uh phew. A few turns after the bridge, yeah, you're within feet of those race cars in a race. Like, that is the closest I've ever been to a race car while it's been in competition in a NASCAR race. And that was just so cool. Yeah, no, the the access, being able to walk around, finding the coolest view and vantage point at the Roval. That's my favorite part about road courses, too, is um, when we went to Road America a few years ago, it's like, there's so many cool different vantage points you can go and find and watch the race from. And I found the same thing when, when going to the Roval. So it is, it's a bummer that, that we can't be going. Cause I figured, I don't know it, how life would have worked out if everything was normal and we didn't have COVID, but I would like to think that the Roval is still on that list of races that I would have been going to. So who knows? Maybe I could have been going to this race under normal circumstances, but yeah, great track. Really enjoyed it. All right, excited for the Roval this weekend. Last year was really fun too. Chase Elliott wrecking and then coming back to win. Very impressive drive. Yes, we have matching t-shirts. Yes. I have a sweatshirt too of the Roval. I'm a big Roval guy, as you can tell. Wow. I did get a really cool picture last year. I was doing social media for Charlotte, and so I was going to that infield portion. And you know how they have spotters pretty much. I think most guys don't have two spotters, but some guys do have multiple spotters around the track. And I was going over that bridge, and Bill Elliott was helping spot for Chase that day. And so I got a picture of Bill spotting, looking at Chase as he goes under the bridge. Very epic photo. That's cool. Maybe I'll maybe I'll tweet it out. It was I, it was one of my best photography moments of my life. Tweet it out. 
bet. Oh, you millennial right. saying bet. Tooth. Fine, I can say whatever I want. I say Respect little your elders. Bet. See, I can say I'm young, but I'm <laughs> old. You feel me? Pick one. You're either the elder or the young guy. Shut up. All right, if you want to see that photo of Chase and Bill Elliott, follow me on Twitter at HeyJasonSchultz. And if you want to see some really objective NASCAR tweets, follow Andrew at... At Andrew Curlin TV. Wasn't that good? Sure. If you want to see some really negative tweets, everyone, follow... Nah, that's not I don't tweet anything negative. I tweet a lot of GIFs. If you want some GIF reactions to the races, follow me. At my previously stated Twitter handle. There you go. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll uh, recap the Roval, get some guests on the show in the future, and uh, ask our playoffs. I think we're past halfway, aren't we? I think this is the halfway mark. Halfway mark. That's it. 50% loading and going in the NASCAR playoffs. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.